Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. I uh, want to thank everybody for the support that you guys gave us since the last podcast. Uh, really meant a lot to us coming back. Um, for those that haven't yet re- left a review, if you could do so, it'd be really appreciated. Your ratings and reviews really do help us uh, reach a larger audience. But we got some fun stuff to talk about today. And to break it down, as almost always, is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, man? Yeah, I feel like that was kind of a shot at me for being a little flaky the last couple of weeks. And uh, you know what? That's fair. I, I, uh, I was going great. to say as always, but then it, it just didn't seem accurate. No, no. I, I've been less than uh, available. But then again, neither. So is the pod. Uh, but <laughs> That's I'm fair. Great. That's very Raps fair. coming off a, a pretty dominant win against the Raptors. And you know what's a feeling I kind of forgot over the course of this stupid, stupid year? What's that? Is another fan base quitting in front of our very in front of our very eyes? <laughs> Here, here's the thing: I love ripping on the Raptors, like possibly more than any fan base, just because I actually, if I'm being completely honest with myself, I actually do care about the team, and I like the writers and the fans of the team. But well, when so do when, I, to be clear. But when you're close. Like when you actually like get close and you get involved to, to some extent, you know where you can go to kind of get those ribbings in. And it just makes it that much more sweet. But it, it breaks my heart to see like William Lou or Blake Murphy just being like, oh, crap, April's here. Poor, like those poor yeah, guys. It's like I, I've never taken so much quiet joy in someone's pain that I also like. <laughs> like I like all those guys but like when I see them just like getting into their feelings I almost feel like the Cavs are getting to be like the schoolyard bully again in the east <laughs> which is like the best feeling like knowing being able to say like with confidence like yeah you're not gonna win is like 
one of the most enjoyable feelings as a fan. I, and they got to do that, and we get to do that today. Like, when you look the at... Raptors just don't really have a chance. No, it doesn't feel that way. And, like, Kyrie's out, and even if he comes back, he's probably not going to be 100% right away if he comes in the second round, if they make it that far. Um, Washington is still Washington, so that's not really a threat. Um, we, we can get into Philadelphia, but I think we've already done that fairly recently and, and kind of express some of our skepticism about what they can do in the postseason in their first year in the playoffs. And and Toronto was really the only threat there. And now that we know for sure that they're frauds in a game that I absolutely would have said was meaningless if the Cavs lost, mm-hmm. um, I, I, it's smooth sailing from here on out. The, the, the switch has been flipped. Well, it's like, you know, it just, it so clearly like underscores that, the Raptors are a really good team. They're built really, really well. And they have no chance to beat the Cavs because the Cavs' best two players, they have nothing. They, can, they can't do anything with either of them. Yeah, like, they really have no answer for either LeBron or Jose Calderon. Like, <laughs> There's just no answer there, man. D- I guess not. But even but like even on a serious note, like they really can't handle love and like, Love does things to them that, like, he, like, it's one of those things where LeBron's great against everyone, right? And yeah. Love's great against almost everyone. But they're, the Raptors. Yeah, love, love is great against everyone that's not Draymond Green, basically. Yeah. And, like, but, like, the Raptors very specifically, like, seem to have a harder time than other people with LeBron and Love in concert with one another. Like, for whatever reason, like all of their wings do worse against LeBron than anyone else's <laughs> wings, and like all of their bi- all of their traditional centers have a harder time against Kevin Love, and like they're just so thoroughly in their heads. I think that's a big part of it. Where, I mean, people go flying at Kevin Love pump fakes on this team, go yeah. flying, and like <laughs> they really do. And, and sometimes they don't get called for fouls when they go flying into him. But you know what? It, like, it, I sometimes I feel like. The Raptors shouldn't have as much trouble as they do against the Cavs. But at the same time, when you look at it, the players that they have that can cover either LeBron or Love, like not not overall, but can actually put together a good possession or two, they're the same players. Like it's Pascal, Pascal Siakam. C- yeah, Siakam, <laughs> yeah, Siakam can do it. Um, OG might have a good play, but he's a rookie. Like he's going to make mistakes. Um, both Love and LeBron are veterans that are they're pretty damn crafty. And when all of a sudden you're you're putting these guys in pick and rolls or situations where they have to make quick decisions, uh, you're able to kind of expose them. And man, it it really just does kind of fall apart. And LeBron was doing some things out there that was like clearly just toying with them it, it wasn't as surgical as the last time that they played against toronto um he he was attempting a it was few... so much more disrespectfully relaxed though yeah he didn't spin the ball in his hands before attempting a three-pointer or anything like that but he <laughs> there was some disrespectful attempts when it comes to passes or just general moves he was attempting to pull off yeah i mean so much of this would be so much better for them if Serge Ibaka were still alive 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Serge Ibaka was a very good player. Um, it it really would be nice for Toronto if they had a guy like that. Yeah, he would be the guy you'd stick on Love, but he doesn't do a good job on Love. No, no, he does not. And yeah. and and that's the problem is that they have guys that can defend Love in one situation. Like, I feel like Siakam can do a pretty decent job on the outside, and they have some guys that can play good post defense on him. But they can't do it in every situation. And especially now that the Cavs are making a, a consistent effort to keep Love integrated and they're getting to uh, getting him the ball while he's moving and things like that, it really does kind of display just how dynamic he can be offensively. And it's not like it was in the past where it's, okay, Kevin Love is in a spot-up role right now. Like there, there's more unpredictability to the way he plays. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. I mean, I think against the Raptors, he's always going to be more of a bomber because they they just want to play their bigs. And, like, I I don't know. I mean, they had Pirtle and Valanciunas on the floor for a total of 39 minutes tonight. And, like, I just don't know if Valanciunas is supposed to play against this team. And, like, I think because the Cavs will always do what they need to do. Now they gave them a bailout by starting Jeff green, which we can get into <laughs> um, instead of Larry Nance, who is a much better vertical threat. And I mean, they shoot just about as well as one another. Um, despite the fact that green went two of five from three today, because of course he did it was, with each of those thought shots. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's probably important in the flow of this game, but it might cost us a playoff game when he's playing too much because as you said, they are basically going to be respected the same way from three. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not adding spacing. Green actually has the the possibility of hitting some of those. But it's not going to change how effective LeBron or Love are going to be because he's not adding anything to the spacing. He's not creating wider lanes for them. And I really thought Larry Nance should be playing more than 16 minutes um, because... I, I think he's someone that can draw Jonas Valanciunas out into space. Like, if you're implementing him into the pick and roll, um, you have to pay attention to it. Whereas they were just hiding JV on green, and that allows him to be in position a little bit more when the Cavs try to drive to the rim. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It worked out. Um, green has done a nice job in DeRozan this year. I think we have to give credit where it's due, especially in that capacity. I just don't see how or see why this stuff can't happen when he's on in a bench role. You know, you can start Rodney Hood on him or you know, give him a couple possessions and then have Green be your first sub, but, like, I just don't see the value of, of starting with that. I really think that they're hamstringing themselves for no reason. But you know what? He, he has earned his minutes against the Raptors. I think I've probably been a little too harsh on him in that front, especially given how well he's done against DeRozan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jose Calderon, obviously, uh, is always going to win his matchup with Lowry. Yeah, I mean, that's basically inevitable. A hungover Lowry, especially. Yeah, it's probably fair to point out that Lowry was um, more than likely celebrating that Villanova win uh, last night, which... Um, yeah, that was definitely a game that I watched. I, I wasn't doing better things rather than watching college basketball. Yeah, I, I think neither of us watched it. Let's let's call it what it is. Um, but there was but, uh, I, I learned that there was a white guy named Dante that went off, which I think is just tremendous. 
and and then yeah. we and then we, we collected. Then he we had a that. very hashtag problematic Twitter account. Yeah, but because of course, we, if if something is enjoyable, we have to find an issue with it. We have to go back to when he's fourteen years old, find some old tweets, and then drag anybody that was enjoying a, a basketball game that night because this guy uh, had bad tweets when he was fourteen. What a time to be alive! But back to basketball. Um, yeah, when you look at this game, like it, I, I think you're right that Nance deserved more minutes and Thompson deserved more minutes. They played 30 total, uh, never sharing the floor. Um, but you know, I, I just don't see how this doesn't just start and end with LeBron, in the sense that like I'm just not sure I've ever seen him so comfortable against a team that's this good. Yeah, that's that's part of the issue with talking about this matchup. And we ran into this last year in the playoffs when we were talking to Faisal, which was it's really boring, but it's also really simple that the answer to almost everything in this series is if it becomes a playoff series is it's LeBron. He has solved their defensive schemes. He knows exactly what they're doing. And there, there really is no adjustment for it. Like, they don't have someone that can cover him. And if he's getting by his first guy, they don't have the, the supporting help to to catch up to him. And um, one of the stats that I saw uh, after the Cavs beat Toronto the first time was that against top 10 offenses in the league, Toronto was 29th in the league. Now, of course, the Cavs are 30th because, of course... But like that, when you're talking about, oh, well, um, can the Cavs defend at the same level as the Raptors? Well, I think that's relevant in a playoff series because all of a sudden LeBron is going to up to 42 minutes per game. Your margin for error shrinks. And as much depth as you have, if you're losing those minutes, you're going to lose those games and you're going to lose the series as a result. Yeah, I just I know we talked about it earlier, but it's like you just keep going back to like all these really good ideas that they had that just didn't pan out, and it's like I feel bad for them. They're they're like, a really good team. Like they are a much improved and like, team, and and, and that's... like just it's as simple as like if Carol and Ibaka are as good as we thought they were. Yeah, it's just more competitive. Yeah, I... but it's they're not. Or there, I guess Carroll wasn't. Yeah, they, they now, got like, if they had Brooklyn, Damari Carroll uh, might be a different story. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just think that's what it comes down to. Um, but we should probably spin it forward at this point. Cavs have four regular season games left, which is crazy mm-hmm. to think about. Uh, they'll play, uh, I believe, versus Washington at Philly, then a home and home with New York. So we should hope that they'll at least get to 50 wins this year, assuming they they split that four. Um, well, one question I was asked ask on Twitter. Sorry, sorry to cut you off here, but um, if the Cavs win out here, which I, I think is a realistic possibility, it is the Cavs. So there's probably going to be a letdown game at some point here, uh, or maybe they rest everyone against New York. But if they do win these last four games of, of the regular season. They match last year's win total, which just seems absurd. Like, yes, there were a lot of things that went wrong last year. J.R. Smith missed a ton of time after he messed up his hand. Kevin Love needed surgery uh, in the spring. Uh, they're starting the team, the DeAndre. Franchise, the, but the franchise didn't nearly crumble to its very foundations. Right. 
<laughs> like, what what do you make of the fact that the Cavs are, like, even close to that? Like, I, I thought there was a possibility, I, I thought coming into this year, that the Cavs are going to be a, a worse playoff team, which uh, I still think it is within the realm of possibilities here, and that they would surpass last year's win total just because they're more depth. They had more depth. Now, Turns out that depth was Jay Crowder. <laughs> yes it turns out uh that depth was snake oil um but i i mean the the fact that they've really got to this point is just a testament to to how well lebron has played this year how well kevin love has played um despite the fact that the role players haven't panned out as well as we hoped this is still probably going to end up being the first year of lebron's career where a team um performs better when he's on the bench than when he's on the court like it, it has just been the weirdest season yeah it has been um and it just feels like it's been six different seasons so like that's why it's so jarring to me to hear that there are only four games left because to me we're in like game 20 <laughs> yep with this with this season with this team <laughs> so it's like what what do you mean there's four games left we haven't seen anyone play together yet. And it's like, well, I guess that's just going to be the way it is. Um, yeah, we, we might have three, two or three games of a full roster, including their head coach. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's absurd. I just, yeah, it's crazy. I When you're looking forward, though, um, kind of what are your biggest concerns for the Cavs other than just saying, warriors god see we've been doing this for too long because you know what a snarky asshole i am um because that was 100 what i was gonna say yep um you, you are i guess my biggest concerns would be one is larry nance ready for big minutes because i i think he's going to be an x factor for this team um if they're going to have a successful run and if they're going to take care of business he needs to be on the court uh, because he is one of their biggest game changers, at least consistently, on the defensive end of the floor when, when he can stay on the court. And we haven't seen him absorb heavy minutes yet in his career. Um, he's had foul trouble with the Cavs. That's that's relevant. And if he isn't that guy, then what does the team look like? Is it a lot of Kevin Love at center with Jeff Green? Um, there, there's just just kind of a cascading bunch of concerns and questions I would have if that isn't the case um, because they basically need him to be 2016 Tristan Thompson um, obviously he's a little more dynamic than that but they need that type of consistency that that Tristan brought in that run um, because the, the margins are a lot thinner than they were back then because you don't have Kyrie yeah I think that's a really good answer and it's my instinct to think that way but you know who's actually kind of you know, rolling around my head is Rodney Hood. He's been good lately. I, I wanted to he's bring him good. up before you transitioned. He's good. Yeah, he he's been good lately, and but like I just still get the sense like they know he's not a good defender internally, and they're trying to cover his ass. That's what Jeff Green starting today is. It's it that tells me clearer than just about anything that this Cavs front office is like or coaching staff is like, uh, maybe let's not put Rodney on DeMar. Yeah. But you know what? Like when push comes to shove, he has to be able to do a good enough job. 
He doesn't have to be locked down. JR never had to be locked down. No, and and, and he's better but than he has JR. To be good enough. He's been better than JR on that end of the floor. I would say he's been better than JR was last season on that end of the floor. Um, but I you're agree. right. He he's not a he's not a lockdown defender, and I think that's some of why they have some trepidation there, and why I, they. I just mm-hmm. it gives me a lot of it makes me really nervous that they feel the need to play Jeff Green because they don't trust Rodney, and like I think that they need he needs to kind of prove that he can handle the job at a passable level. Um. At least, you know, just in one-on-one taking the challenge. I'm, I'm uh, still going with my theory that Jeff Green is only starting because Larry Drew is still coaching. So <laughs> there's going to be like good PR when Ty comes back and Larry Nance is going to be starting. You were worried that uh, it was going to be Green and Corver. They, they got Hood starting and Nance is going to be that final piece when Ty comes back. I, I am not saying this just to comfort myself. I, I firmly believe this. <laughs> I hope you're right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and if, really it, if it helps, I, if it helps my theory, I've had Western Conference general managers, league sources that that have all backed this up. <laughs> as, as you know, you come to the Chase Down podcast for my Source sources, reporting. my sourced material, and that is what I'm going to give to you guys. And I'm just a radio producer. Um, <laughs> the scum of the earth. <laughs> uh the thing about Hood that I think has been interesting, because I'm not ready to be done talking about him yet, so you're just going to have to deal with it. No, I'm okay with talking pre- about Bojack. Ah, uh, Jesus. So mean. Uh, <laughs> a lot of... <laughs> a lot more creation in the pick and roll out of him recently. And yes. he might be pulling from the mid-range maybe a little more than you'd like, but he's also pretty good at it. Um, I think he's been okay at it. Uh, and he's really attacking the basket with, like, a sense of aggressiveness that we haven't, we didn't see early on. And I think that's a product of him being more involved in the pick and roll. Like that was a big part of how they got him going in Utah and his best games were when he was initiating in that way. And, and I think that's something that's been deliberate with the Cavs because they understand that he's a bit of a rhythm shooter, that the more touches he gets, the more effective he's going to be. And I I agree. I, I think that that plays really well for the Cavs because if you're using him in the pick and roll, then all of a sudden, if he's the ball handler, that means when you're healthy, George Hill is going to have more opportunities for those corner threes, which he really excels in. Uh, you're going to be able to maximize whether it be Kevin Love or Jeff Green or Larry Nance. Like you can use those guys as screen setters in those situations. And yes, the mid range shot isn't ideal. And I'd like to see him get a few more opportunities from three. It does keep the defense honest and he's creating legitimate space in those situations. So it's not like he's taking those contested mid-range pull-ups. Those are in rhythm shots that are open and he's converting them at a high rate, which in the playoffs, that that is important because often to make those shots, you need to make those shots because teams that can't hit those mid-range shots Teams will try to take away the three-pointer, and they're going to try to take away the shots at the rim, and you need to hit those to keep them on honest. So I, I think Hood having that ability in his game is really, really important for the Cavs in the playoffs. And and you're right, him him playing well and delivering offensively is a big, big X factor for this team. Uh, true or false, Kevin Love has never looked more comfortable in a Cavaliers uniform. 
I don't know. He was looking a little sweaty. Um, it, oh, come with on. With the flu-like symptoms. You suck. Um, <laughs> no, he wasn't looking great today. Yes, Kevin Love looks insanely comfortable. Um, I, I think there is a lot of muscle memory there because prior to Isaiah Thomas coming back, uh, the Cavs really had integrated him into the offense and were keeping him very involved. Um, so it wasn't something brand new. And I, I think he's encouraged with knowing this isn't changing. Like these guys, there, there is no Isaiah Thomas. There is no Kyrie. There, there's no guy that's going to absorb 30% usage here. I have to be that guy. And him being engaged, um, it, it impacts all levels of his game. It impacts his rebounding. It impacts how hard he tries on defense. And, and when he's engaged in those ways, um, he, he He's he's a damn like he, he's an all star, and yeah, I, I I think getting this Kevin Love and especially when you saw how he played against the Warriors this year when he was integrated and he was encouraged, um, I I don't have as many worries as I do. I don't think it, it's going to be enough if they do face Golden State to to overcome that, but I don't worry about him being ineffective in the playoffs the same way I did in the past. Yeah, I think like their the reaction every time they score if he gets exploited in a pick and roll is going to be like, "Oh, see, he can't do it." But like the Warriors score on everyone and like he has done a, a much better job offensively against them as of late. Uh he likes playing against guys like Jordan Bell or Zaza and he's even getting a little more comfortable going at Draymond. I know Draymond's better than him and can lock him down. But he's getting a little more comfortable. Like he's not playing timid at all. Um and I really, I just have really enjoyed watching him play uh, as of late. Uh, my other uh, kind of comfort slash, you know, just stock report question, and this one is gonna to any listener that has been with us all season. If so, sorry. Yeah, uh, so very sorry. Has Jose Calder on a, earned a playoff? rotation spot i'm really glad that you lobbed that one up to me because chops is bringing up an interesting thing about how jordan clarkson matches up against the raptors um because clark's not great yeah because he's largely going against those bench lineups and fred van vliet is a very good defender for his position um especially when you're talking about reserves he, he's probably one of the best backup point guards defensively or and, and overall DeLon Wright is really long and, and can be disruptive defensively. Like those lineups have been really effective for a season or for a reason because they're damn good players. I think if you're playing against the Raptors, especially um, because of the unique matchup issues you have there, you have to play Clarkson alongside a point guard. That's going to be a stabilizing force. Now, whether that be Calderon, which I think would be preferred um, or George Hill, who I prefer with the starters, one of those guys has to be alongside him to kind of stabilize things because he likes to go at 110 miles an hour at all times. And I think that's more effective and you're able to kind of catch those Raptors defenders off guard a little easier if that's coming off of movement, if he's cutting to the basket and getting the ball on the move already, rather than bringing the ball up and then trying to make something happen against the set defense. Yeah, and like they're both of their guard defenders in that bench unit are really well equipped to slow him down. Yep. Ben Fleet's really, really handsy and uh, really good at with his angle still on right. Uh, is one of the few guys who guards Clarkson who he doesn't have a size advantage over. 
on most nights, uh, or really an athleticism advantage. Right. Clarkson, heading into today, I don't think it's updated for today, uh, but heading into today, he was shooting 38% against Toronto and uh, 8% from three, <laughs> like, <laughs> in, in three games. So I, I just think that it's really just not his matchup. And insulating him and being willing to go to Calderon at this point who has just not done anything to not earn minutes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and like, he's and his aggressiveness is really upticked, you know, like I, I remember early, early Calderon. It was like, he was like, when you go to a, uh, like a pickup run, that's clearly just like a notch above your level. Yeah. So you're just like, I'm not going to shoot. I'm not going to turn it over. I'm not going to get yelled at. I'm not going to get punched in the face. Yeah. But I'm just going to I'm just going to be here and no one's going to yell at me. The telltale sign for Calderon is how much he celebrates after big plays. Cuz when he's that 3 against the Pelicans when he was hopping. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah, I was in heaven. <laughs> it was the best and he was throwing up the uh, the three point uh fingers uh tonight. Uh, I don't what do you even call that celebration? The the bullseye Whatever. Uh, he, he did that a lot in, in Pete Calderon years, and he's doing that now. And I'm with you. Like, I, I think having a stabilizing force out there, especially a guy that doesn't normally turn the ball over, that can hit threes, um, he's still a decent team defender. Like, he's going to get exposed in space, but he's got good hands, and he'll make the odd play. And you're like, oh, shit, there, there's another decent play by Calderon. Um, and against second units, there just aren't that many guys that are dynamic enough to kill you. Right, um, right. Where it's just like, he's just going to be just annoying enough to make them want to get the, rid of the ball. And um, it's always good to have a guy that's annoying. Like, he he can be our deli, baby. Oh, yeah. He can kiss away uh, the pain. <laughs> I'll bet he'd sing that to you in a lovely uh, Spanish accent. I, I would um, love that. I would really, really appreciate that. Yeah, I just think I just think he's really earned it in a way that I just didn't expect him to. I thought he was purely going to be uh, a bench leader and calming veteran presence and break breaking case he, of glass. James yeah, Jones I just, role. I just think he's really earned it, and um, you know, I think you can have a quick hook, but. You know, he what he really does allow you to do in the playoffs, because I do think when things tighten up, he's going to be someone who's you're not going to like look to get him minutes necessarily. No. But if Clarkson's playing a little erratic, we know Clarkson's a guy who runs hot and cold. Yeah. No. And and, uh, and it's nice to be able to go and be like, Jose, just get out there and calm things down for five minutes. And, and I think that's what should be the role. And I, I think the threat of that also is going to help out Clarkson. Right. Like knowing that this isn't an unconditional role that he has to be a little more responsible. I, I think that he, he'd respond well to that. And I, I think he can play them together as I said before. So I, I agree. I, I think Calderon, even though it might not be a consistent role where he has an allotted amount of minutes in the rotation every night, I, I think he's shown that he's a guy that you can rely on uh, for consistent minutes if you need it. And he'll be ready if the game doesn't call for it in one night, he'll he'll be ready the next. So um, I'm, I'm on board with you. I, I, I think he's earned a spot in the rotation, which, my God, that's weird to say. Yeah. And I'll still, you know, defend our reaction, which was don't sign that guy on day one of free agency. 
Um, Don't apologize. Double I, down. Hundred D A D D. But I will say we do have to acknowledge, like, uh, and me more than you probably. I was joking about how done he was. I thought he was cooked. I and I was a little was more wrong. optimistic. I I mean, I was a hundred percent wrong. I I'll, I'm going to take credit for saying that before the season. It was me and Zavak that were riding that Calderon should start over Derrick Rose train. So I I thought. But he, don't pretend that wasn't like based in you just hating Derrick Rose. I I don't. I don't. You don't. Does you don't get to pretend that's because you thought Calderon would be pretty good. I, you know what? I'm going. I'm going to link you my player preview from before the season because I, I, I thought he could be somewhat effective with them. Thanks for the puff piece. Yeah, I'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> puff. puff. I, I'm. I'm to make so much money on uh, the page views from dropping that in the podcast because the the zero cents per click. It, it, I, I need to get. The, I, I need to capitalize on that, man. That sweet ass blog money. <laughs> Um, <laughs> shout out to blogger bucks, man. They keep the yeah. world running. I did have one more playoff rotation question on a more, um, serious note. Uh, if it comes down to it, because I think neither of us want to see Jeff green and Tristan Thompson play together. Never, ever. Yes. Uh, I'm willing Cavs, to cut Tristan out of the rotation. That that's the question. Who goes? I'm, and I'm, I'm not him. so willing that I'm just doing it blindly. Uh, if we're if they're playing the Celtics, sorry Jeff, yeah. we'll see you in the finals. Yeah, you, you got to play Horford's dad in that situation. Um, I I think there can be a role for Tristan, but his role should be similar to Jeff Green in that it's matchup dependent and dependent on how they're playing. Um, I I think Lou has to be able to look at the early returns and figure out. Hey, is this a good Tristan Thompson night? Is this a good Jeff Green night? And go from there, because those guys, th- there is no variation. Like I've seen Jordan Clarkson have a gr- terrible first half and then be a key to a second half, come back and win. I don't see that with these guys. If Tristan's having a bad night and he doesn't look right physically, that's that's it. He's done. He. It's. I think that's more true of Tristan than it is of Jeff Green. I think Jeff Green had a dog shit first quarter against the Raptors and turned into a pretty decent game overall. I, yeah, yeah, I guess. But ultimately, that's just kind of the coin flip of, hey, is yeah, he hitting this shot? I'm willing to take the L there, ultimately. Uh, other than, I do think, I, I just think Green's got to play against the Warriors. He just does. He's not going to do great on KD, but you just don't want LeBron to have to do it the whole time. Um. Are we backing off the fact that Houston's going to upset Golden State and then choke like dogs against the Cavs? Because I thought we were proclaiming. um, Well, we were saying if Cavs twenty eighteen fam does get there, then they'll choke like dogs. I'm just not sure. You're not speaking into existence. Minnesota, if Minnesota wins in the first round with Jimmy Butler back, jeez, is Minnesota going to? Do you think it's possible? I think it's a hundred percent possible. No, Minnesota sucks, man. Um, Dude, but they don't. They have shot makers. Remember Hoomst? Those Hoomst? Jimmy fucking Butler. Yeah, I mean, they got Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, who the Warriors have a really hard time with. No, and that's what kills me about like. Is Minnesota going to make the playoffs, man? Yeah, they might not. But my point is like I don't love watching Minnesota play, 
but they're one of those teams that I think the internet is probably harder on than we should be because we don't like watching them. I I, I don't know why you're attempting to like kill off like the five Minnesota fans that we have that listen to this because uh, I'm being very respectful actually. I no, you're being you respectful, but you're giving them hope. Do not give them hope. Keep the expectations realistic <laughs> because they don't deserve to have their hearts crushed like that, man. That's fair. Let That's let fair. them celebrate the playoffs. Them getting over that hurdle and getting back into the playoffs is fantastic. They deserve it. Do not be like, oh, don't way, don't give them the jazz treatment. Don't give them the jazz treatment of what people are trying to do. Say, oh, you know, like they really can. If, if Steph's not there, it, they can be scrappy and make the game ugly. Don't do that to them. They well, deserve well, the jazz that. can't. So let's make that very clear. I will say, man, the bottom of the West, it's like you couldn't give away a playoff spot to these losers. The the T-Wolves are 5 and 5 in their last 10 at 7. Pelicans are 4 and 6 at 8. Nuggets are 5 and 5. Clippers are 4 and 6. Hey man, literally nobody wants to just go take this. Jam- my my son Jamal Murray, he dragged uh Denver to that win over Milwaukee and that that was amazing. That was one of the funniest things I've seen. Denver and Minnesota play each other twice in these last four games and Denver is only a game and a half back. So that, that is going to be interesting because that would also determine the tiebreaker. Um, yeah. The, the, I mean, the bottom of both conferences are kind of a mess at this point. Um, I, I do think that teams can potentially make the Warriors work in the first round without Steph, but I just, I just don't see a first round upset being possible. Um, if I'm being honest with myself, I, I probably don't see an, an upset being possible. But especially with Harden getting into playoff Lowry form, um, it's I, I just I don't see it coming. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get why you wouldn't think it. But like, I just think that the T-Wolves are just one of those teams whose talent level might mean something in the postseason. Like, that's a team I don't want to fucking play in the postseason. I just don't want to. I'd be really I'd so much rather play the Jazz or the Pelicans. I, I think they might have a chance if you have like that hypnotism scene from get out, only they're convincing Wiggins that the jerseys in front of him say Cleveland. Like if you did that, then you'd have a chance. I I gotta tell you, I got real nervous about where you were going in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we landed there, but I was like, I was like, ah, we're we gonna have to edit this. <laughs> also, can you hear uh, drums just blaring in the background of my mic? No, I can't. Well, that's good because we work. I work at the United Center now, and you know the people who like drum on those just buckets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They are just right outside of my office. <laughs> right, I'm in like a conference room doing this. And they are just hammering away down there. <laughs> Good for them. It's raining. They shouldn't have to do this. That's 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 unfortunate. I think Chicago was up last time I looked. Which, yeah, they were. Which is uh, good, relevant, timely radio right now. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what, man. Up one my point. office morale every time the Bulls win, it is like like everyone's dogs collectively got shot. Like they are so miserable every time they win a game. It's amazing. Like. Like, at least, like, we can still be, like, at least the Cavs are really good when the Nets win. Also, the Bulls are going to lose. But, yeah, uh, I see that. But, like, they just have to, like, sit there and accept that Jerry and Grant is ruining their pick chances. 
Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that is tough. I I mean, it doesn't make me feel a lot better than Spencer Dinwiddie ruining the pick. But, I mean, ultimately, that's not going to matter because, one, they're, they're going to win the lottery. And even if they don't, they're, they're not keeping that pick. It's I've been trying to embrace Mort's uh, relentless positivity about their lotto chances. Money Dan, he's going to bribe the system because we we know it's rigged, right? Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm still on board with my shop that pick like crazy. First for Leonard, then George, then Butler, then Wall, then Kemba. I, I don't think they're keeping this thing. We are the worst door-to-door. The Cavs should be the most annoying door-to-door salesman in america <laughs> we're, we're we're going to go the mormon route of just, just, just relentlessly man. showing up to every doorstep being like it's a deep draft it, it's yeah it's a really deep it. draft look where steph was drafted i gotta say look where Giannis uh, was drafted i've got i've had a lot of people sooning in my mentions about stuff oh i love that man and i love it but i'm not i'm not uh, I'm not letting my. I'm not going to break my heart again. I'm. I'm saving my soons for when I think. When I think there's a chance. Right. Like Paul George is happening. Like as much as I want them to bid on Leonard, they're they're going to have to settle for Paul George, which I I guess is fine. Just right. The old opt in, Paul. What What are have you fun? offering for Kawhi Leonard? <laughs> I mean, this is this is productive podcast talk. I mean everything. I don't know. Like, <laughs> doesn't matter to me. Who fuck cares? See, Kev. Like, I don't know. Uh, it it just that one just feels so silly to me. I think any trade for Kawhi is silly to me. I think we talked about this a little bit in the last pod, but like I'm just you know what? Like that's just one where I'm like I I feel dumb speculating about it. I, I, I feel dumb whenever I'm talking about basketball, but that doesn't well, stop me. Yeah, but that one like I feel especially like like we're just like I feel like we're CNN and we had to fill some time because there wasn't 24 hours worth of news that's that's one of my favorite bits on the levitard show when they mock espn's wednesday content because nothing is ever happening on a wednesday so they just sit around hoping that a morning show host says something like insane so that they can just run with it like that that's about what that's what i feel like the quiet thing is like no it's happening man let's just wait till it gets like till the, the tea leaves are the all there the tea leaves are all there man he wants a good shoot, shoot deal rich paul's probably like texting him the designs every single day he's um, mentally weak we learned that today from an established credentialed reporter i yeah i <laughs> yeah i i don't know the the situation's so weird and anytime i see weirdness in the nba i one yeah your ears perk up yeah my ears perk up because i know it's an opportunity to to go overboard with it and then the conspiracy theories are fun because like when i started pitching conspiracy theories in like 2011 that lebron left with an agreement with gilbert that they were going to restock the cupboard and then he was going to come back in 2014 it drove matt Moore absolutely crazy and and he hated me for it but it's so fun to just throw these outlandish theories out there uh, because if any of them stick then you can just be annoying as hell about it and you gotta get matt moore back on the pod because i think we've really been annoying him recently i don't think so i i think matt enjoys our shenanigans he knows what yeah but it's like it's like the like I like you, but you're annoying. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like very much like a little brother kind of vibe. But that's that's the sweet spot. Like that that is our niche. 
I, I know some. I know a lot of people think that it's the source game and, and breaking news, but I think that's our niche. Being kind of annoying, but just endearing enough to save ourselves. Exactly. I I, I think it works out. It's not too bad. Oh yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I, I I mean, my my other thing is whenever there's a weird thing in the NBA, you always have to wonder if LeBron's involved. I don't think he is, but you never know. Hey, hey Kawhi. They're really screwing you in that shoe deal. Yep. Yep. But also, come to Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) Is Cleveland an upgrade on San Antonio? I'm incredibly ignorant when it comes to this stuff. I hope not. (laughs) I hear they have a river walk, man. But then again, Kyrie did pretty damn well for himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There is like a degree of like the Spurs machine like does like stamp out your identity a little bit, which makes it hard to market yourself. But like, Ultimately, like I just, I'm gonna believe in Spurs exceptionalism until it's not there. You know, like there was a reason we all really did think the Lakers were gonna get every free agent for a long time. Like Lakers exceptionalism existed because it deserved to exist, and like it took a lot of evidence for it not to work for us to collectively like change our minds on it. I and like I'm ready. I'm that's the way I feel about Spurs exceptionalism. Like. I'm going to believe they're going to figure it out until they don't. And then I'll adjust my expectations for other things going forward. I'm, I'm yeah. I, I mean, that's fair. And the culture that they built there is part of why they've been successful this season. It's because everybody follows along. They, they do the right thing. Um, and they're, well, I mean, they're coached by the best Sounds coach like ever. Dare ad. What? Sounds like a dare ad. Do you know what dare is, Justin? hang on hang on before we get into this before you expose me for not knowing what dare is i i think it's like a brand of like fig newtons and crap Um, (laughs) i um i was out for dinner easter dinner and we were getting chinese food and someone was talking about a different chinese food place and they're like yeah, they got good General Tao's chicken or something like that. And I'm like, oh, General Tao's. We have that here. Congratulations, Justin. I, you know what General Tso's chicken is. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Now, explain there dare to me. There is an anti-drug uh, like, program. Oh, I knew that. Where, I knew yeah, that. where they would send like cops to your school and they'd be like, hey, it's pretty not good to smoke weed and do heroin. And you're like, all right. And then they leave. I though Zavak said something about like getting to like see real drugs in person at his presentations once, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> they never brought real drugs in for us to look at. So I felt I feel like the Toledo <laughs> Dare experience must be a lot stronger than the Columbus suburb. Dare <laughs> in Toledo, they uh, get the kids to try heroin for the first time. Yeah, it's just it's like a scared straight, like you know, like it's the old like. Your your dad makes you smoke a pack of cigarettes when you asked when you were interested in one to make you never want to do it again. Yeah, they basically go clockwork orange on the kids, like they pry their eyes open and then make them watch Requiem for a Dream for forty eight hours straight. And that's why Zavek's the way he is. <laughs> you know what? That would explain a lot. That would explain mm. a lot. I do enjoy here because weed is about to be legalized at the beginning of July. They're doing like a really aggressive amount of like don't smoke and drive ads and like the guy that they have acting in this ad um and it's like the local public insurance company um is just so over the top <laughs> it is, oh yeah 
It is great. I like to imagine like anti-drug propaganda is like really, really like like for whatever reason, I'm just pretending it's like 10 years behind in Winnipeg, <laughs> which is not fair. Anyway, we're pretty off the rails here. Yeah. A- anything you want to cover before we uh, wrap this thing up? I think we got all all we really can do. I think probably our next pod is going to be a, you know, kind of a playoff preview. Look at to who the hell the Cavs are going to play. Thank God it's not going to be the Sixers because when that was looking that way for a while, I was a little terrified. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, maybe we'll do another one by the end of the week uh, if there's anything interesting to cover. Um, to the listeners, remember, we, we do now have an email address set up, chasedownpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us some feedback there as well as mailbag questions. We will do our best to try to read that. Um, today we did learn that I cannot view iTunes reviews. Um, so Carter is going to have to read these to me and find them because my iTunes doesn't seem to load new reviews. And when I check it on mobile, it doesn't do anything. Um, I, do you have Apple stuff? Like what, what, what's, what's the disconnect? I have here? a Mac. Okay, well, so, so that's what it is. I, I, but it's probably user error. I, for you no no i refuse to believe that i i know what i'm doing i'm i bet you do i'm a savant in all things mm-hmm. so if you guys want to support the podcast you can leave a review and carter will read it for me uh you can also leave ratings subscribe um and as i said we do have the email address chasedownpod at gmail.com uh, we will do our absolute best to answer all of the questions there if not on the podcast we'll 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 get back to you with a response um so we do appreciate all the support uh it really was overwhelming and um it it was really really great to see how you guys uh, welcomed us back and uh we are back in full force now so thank you to you guys and thanks to carter and until next time go Cavs. We'll